Hi friends, this is Will Dyer, the pastor here at the First Baptist Church of Augusta. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the message that you are about to hear will give you some joy in your day. But more than that, I hope that this message will connect you to Jesus. The mission of our church is to connect people to Jesus Christ in a community of faith. And it is my greatest hope that the message you are about to hear will better connect you with Jesus and His way in the world. Good morning, friends. I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 6. And in just a moment, we are going to finish out reading this section of the Sermon on the Mount. And we are continuing on in our 14-week series, The Masterclass of Jesus, where we are looking at the greatest teaching ever told from the greatest teacher that has ever lived. And I think today might be one of the most important sections of this Sermon on the Mount because he's addressing, Jesus is addressing a central question. How do we live well in the world in which we live? And so with that kind of guiding our conversation today, I want to invite you to follow along with me. And don't turn in your own Bibles. I'm using a different translation, but simply follow on the screen as I read to us now from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Jesus says, so let me tell you, don't worry about your life, what to eat, what to drink. Don't worry about your body, what to wear. There's more to life than food. There's more to the body than a suit of clothes. Have a good look at the birds in the sky. They don't plant seeds. They don't bring in the harvest. They don't store things in barns. And your father in heaven feeds them. Think how different you are from them. Can any of you add 15 inches to your height just by worrying about it? And why worry about what to wear? Take a tip from the lilies in the countryside. They don't work. They don't weave. But let me tell you, not even Solomon in all his finery was dressed as well as one of those. So if God gives that sort of clothing even to the grass of the field, which is here today and on the bonfire tomorrow, isn't he far more likely to clothe you too, you little faith lot? So don't worry away with your what do we eat and what do we drink and what do we wear. Those are all the kinds of things the Gentiles fuss about, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. Instead, make your top priority God's kingdom and his way of life, and all these things will be given as well. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow can worry about itself. One day's trouble at a time is quite enough. So I want to begin with with a pretty uh, shocking statement. Now, I I have to say it shouldn't be shocking. It should be kind of basic elementary Jesus people stuff. But, But I think in particular, if you grew up in church 
Or maybe if you heard enough sermons, like me, the few that I did as a kid, uh, where God is always angry, where God is always vengeful, where Jesus uh, is that kind of way as well, then what I'm about to say is going to be shocking to you. If you spent enough time around Christians, then this might be shocking to you, although it shouldn't. This is going to be the claim that guides us throughout the whole of our time together. And here it is, friends, that at the core of Jesus' existence, that he fundamentally sees the world as a good place. I know, I know it shouldn't be shocking, but it is that Jesus experiences the world as a fundamentally good place. That's what he's saying in this section of Matthew chapter 6. And as a result of Jesus' experience of the world, that it is good, created by God, because that's the way Jesus sees the world, then we can move on to the next thing that I would say to you, something that also might be a little shocking, that Jesus is a person of great joy. That when you read throughout the gospel accounts, when you read through Matthew's story, Mark's story, Luke, and John, what you see is Jesus, this man who goes throughout the Galilee and in Jerusalem, and everywhere he goes, he brings joy. He brings life and love. He brings health and restoration. Jesus goes to weddings where the party is dying down, and he says things like, we are just getting started. You see, friends, Jesus is a person of great joy. And I would make an even simpler claim than that, one that should be basic to us as people who follow Jesus. And here's what we need to know, that Jesus is a happy person, that Jesus is a happy person. And don't get me wrong, friends, there are moments throughout the course of Jesus' life, there are moments where we read that he experiences anguish, at the death of a friend, that he experiences grief when he sees people who are hurt. There are moments where Jesus is well acquainted with sorrow as he goes to the cross and he prays, God, not my will, but your will be done. So, so yes, Jesus did experience grief and anguish and loss and pain, but fundamental to the existence of Jesus, and this is so incredibly important, kind of baseline Jesus stuff, is that at his core, Jesus experiences the world as a fundamentally good place. And as a result of that experience, Jesus is a happy human being, that Jesus is a person of great and intense joy. And if you grew up around the church, you may not have heard that on a regular basis. And that's across denomination. I actually decided to go on a little bit of a field trip as I was preparing for this sermon, not literally, but on the internet. And what I did is I looked up 20 of the most famous paintings and portraits of Christ that have been done throughout the whole of Christian history. It's a fascinating exercise. I want you to go and do it yourself. And what I saw was Leonardo da Vinci, his painting of The Last Supper, what I saw was Michelangelo's last judgment on the back wall of the Sistine Chapel. What I saw was a number of different paintings of Jesus throughout history, the Middle Ages, the Renaissance, even modern Jesus. And they were strikingly different in so many respects. And yet there was one common thread 
that was going throughout every single picture, literally every single one of the 20 that I looked at. And you know what it was? In every single picture that I saw, absolutely none of them showed Jesus with a smile on his face. Jesus, according to art history, is this melancholy figure that goes throughout space and time. And friends, what we need to understand this morning is that that could not be further from the truth, that Jesus experiences the world as a fundamentally good place. And as a result of that, Jesus is one who lives with joy and happiness and fulfillment and his invitation in this section of the Sermon on the Mount is that we can live the exact same way. But if we want to do that, and this is why we're going to spend our time together uh, thinking through this question today. If we want to live in the same way that Jesus did, then it is imperative that we see the world in the same way that Jesus sees the world. Uh, Dallas Willard, who wrote The Divine Conspiracy, a book that I have mentioned literally every single week so far in this sermon series, has an incredible chapter in his book. Chapter 3, How Jesus Sees the World, God Bathed. And I want to read a quote to you because I think it sums up for me the heart of the Jesus experience. Not only how Jesus experienced the world, but friends, listen to me, an invitation how we can experience the world. And in chapter three of The Divine Conspiracy, Dallas Willard has this to say, that to Jesus, the earth is God bathed and God permeated. It is a world filled with glorious reality where every component is within the range of God's direct knowledge and control. It is a world that is inconceivably good because of God and God is always in it. And this section in the Sermon on the Mount is an invitation from Jesus to see the world as he sees it as well. It is an invitation from Jesus to live in a way that is free of worry. It is an invitation from Jesus to live in a way that is free of anxiety. And God knows we need that sort of life now more than ever. Because it is going to be no surprise that I say this to you, that we live in a world that is absolutely filled with anxiety. We live in a world that is absolutely filled with worry. And Christian or non-Christian, because of what we see going around us all the time, it is so incredibly easy for that worry, for that anxiety, for that dread even to, to, to rub off on us and for us to begin to embody that same sort of stance out into the world. So we need to hear this teaching of Jesus loud and clear. I would say now more than ever, because this is one of those countercultural things that Jesus teaches and we desperately need to hear. Because the fact of the matter is, friends, anxiety is ever-present in our culture. Anxiety is ever-present in our culture. I'm, I'm just going to use today as an example. Today, I cut on the news bright and early in the morning, and I, the first thing I see 
is that according to Taiwan, by 2025, China will be prepared to launch a full-scale invasion on the Taiwanese mainland. And you know what that did? It made my anxiety rise. And literally, the very next story was how millions of gallons of crude oil have been pumped into the Pacific Ocean and an ecological disaster is happening right now. And do you know what that made me do? It made me worry and it made my anxiety skyrocket. And the next story and the next story and the next story and you know exactly what I am talking about. And we live in a culture where anxiety is ever present. And you cut on your social media feeds and you see all of this nonsense and this hate and this vitriol and you cannot help but walk away feeling worried about the state of our culture. And you feel anxious about the future of our world. And friends, listen to me. We live in a day and we live in an age where anxiety is ever present in our culture. And and that is true. But what I would also say, and I think maybe this is the thing that Jesus wants us to focus on this morning, is that yes, anxiety is ever present in our culture, but more importantly, at least in this moment, is that it is also the case that anxiety can be ever present in our own hearts. That worry is one of those things that can dominate our lives and our minds and our hearts, and we have to constantly be aware. You know what I'm talking about. You get up in the morning, and you get dressed, and you cannot help but maybe have this feeling that I don't look as good as I should, or I'm not as fit as the person that I'm going to go and see in the office. There's this constant sense of worry. If you're a parent with little kids or middle school, high school kids, am I parenting well enough? Am I putting them in enough extracurricular activities? Am I doing all the things I need to do? Little Johnny isn't in the gifted class, and is that okay? Is he going to be all right? Am I a failure as a parent? And the anxiety and the worry, while it is present in our culture, what I would say to us this morning is that it is also incredibly present in our own hearts. And we are constantly asking the question, am I successful enough? Am I smart enough? Am I beautiful enough? Am I keeping up with other people enough? And Jesus says there is an alternative to that madness. And in a culture of worry and anxiety, Jesus gives us a better way to live. But friends, listen to me. We have to pay attention to the state of our hearts. And we have to pay attention to the state of our minds because worry does something to us. This is why Jesus talks about it in this section of Matthew chapter 6. is because worry does something to us. Anxiety does something to us. It transforms the way we think. It transforms the way that we see. And when worry, when anxiety begins to be the dominant characteristic of our lives, then we are losing an opportunity to live in the way that Jesus invites us to. We lose an opportunity to live fully present in the moment. 
There's one writer that I really just love. He's been a formative influence in my life. And in a book that he wrote called um, What is the Bible? There's a section where he talks about this very section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And, and, And it talks about the danger of anxiety and worry, the way that it can dominate our lives. And I'm going to read to you a quote where where this man says, worry is lethal to thriving because it's a failure to be fully present. Worrying about something means you're there, not here. Stuck ruminating on the future, not enjoying the present. Jesus teaches us to be fully present in the moment, not missing a thing right here and right now. You see, in a culture of worry where we live, in a culture of anxiety where we live, in a heart that is filled with both of those things, the danger is that we end up thinking about something other than this present moment. And what does Jesus say in this section of the Sermon on the Mount? But don't worry about tomorrow. And this is a playful, jokey way that Jesus frames it. But there's enough for tomorrow to worry about. Instead, be present today. Instead, be here in this moment. And the reason why those two things are so incredibly lethal to our experiencing the world in the way that Jesus intended was because these two things, worry and anxiety, they force us to constantly be giving our attention somewhere else. And the good news of the gospel is that we are invited to be here now in the moment where we find ourselves. And Jesus says, when you see the world as he does, then that becomes possible. Don't have worry, Jesus says. Don't have anxiety. And and then he gives us a prescription. That's what Jesus does that I love so much. He, he He not only gives us recommendations on how to live, but then he always, absolutely always, gives us a practical thing that we can do to experience that sort of goodness. And Jesus says, don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't worry about what you will wear. And he says, in case you find yourself doing that, here's what I want you to do. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. They don't worry about food. They don't worry about drink, but they just go on doing their thing. And yet they live and they live well. And if God takes care of those birds, however insignificant they are, Jesus says, how much more does God want to take care of you? Jesus says, look at the lilies of the field. Look at how beautiful they are, worthy to be installation in any art museum across the world. Look at them. And they are so incredibly beautiful, profound in their impact. He says, not even Solomon in all of his grandeur. So Solomon, the most famous person of the day, the wealthiest, wisest man who cared more than anyone about being seen with that glory and grandeur. And Jesus says, 
Not even Solomon can compare to the beauty of that simple little flower. And if that flower which is here today and it is gone tomorrow, if God takes care of that, then how much more does God want to clothe you and take care of you? You see, Jesus says when we begin to find ourselves consumed with worry and with anxiety as we are all prone to do, then Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go outside and I want you to take in the beauty and the grandeur of creation. I want you to go out and look at the magnificence and the majesty of all that the Father has created. And then to recognize this one simple and profound fact that the same God who created all of those incredible things is the very one who breathed the breath of life into your existence. The same God who created the wonders of this creation is the God who created you in the divine image and is the one who looks at you and says you are are good. And if that is who God is, and if that is how God sees us, then Jesus invites us to see the world in a fundamentally different way. It is possible to live without worry and anxiety. And the key, the interpretive key is to understand that as much as God did for these things of creation, how much more will God do for us And Jesus is inviting us to see an incredibly important thing that's central to the kind of life that Jesus offers is the insistence, friends, that God can be trusted. Central to living the sort of life that Jesus invites us to is the insistence that God can be trusted. And that we can sing along those words of Psalm 23. That surely goodness and mercy will walk with me all the days of my life. Not another life. Not a life in heaven necessarily, but right now. Surely goodness and mercy will walk with me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the presence and in the house of the Lord forever. You see, we are invited to live a life that is free of worry and anxiety. And Jesus says the fundamental key to doing so is to recognize that God created you and can be trusted. So you can live with happiness. You can live with joy. You can live in this Jesus way. And I know some of you are thinking like, Will, that is so naive. And maybe you haven't been through the rough and tumble of this world And what I would say to you is that don't listen to me because this is not me talking. It's Jesus presenting this to us. And while I know our culture, while living in a state of anxiety and fear, does have those voices that says, don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, everything's going to be all right. And I think every, every single generation has at least one voice, right? Bob Marley in the 70s, don't worry about a thing. Because every little thing is going to be all right. 
or maybe you want to go forward to the 80s. Any 80s people watching online and on television, this one's for you. Bobby McFerrin, that great song that is now going to be stuck in your head all day long. Don't worry. Be happy. You know it. And now you're welcome because you're going to be singing it all day long. Or you can fast forward to the 2000s and Pharrell Williams' classic song, Because I'm Happy. Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like happiness is for you. And you see, they would all ascribe to us and say, hey, you can be happy. But then they don't give us a prescription for how. It's simply wishful thinking. But what I want you to know this morning is that when Jesus tells us that happiness is a possibility, that life without worry and anxiety is a possibility, we are hearing a word not from a pop culture figure, but we are hearing a word from the greatest teacher who ever lived. We are hearing a word from the God who took on flesh and came among us. And listen to me, friends. Jesus is one who is well acquainted with grief. Jesus is the one who not only experienced pain in his lifetime, but Jesus is the one who went to the cross for me and he went to the cross for you. Jesus is the one who experienced death. And yet on the third day, he rose again. And what I would say to you this morning is that if Jesus has gone through death and come out onto new life, if Jesus is the one who defeated the greatest enemy of all and yet lives to tell the story, if Jesus is the one who was resurrected on the third day and now sits enthroned over all of creation, then I think we can safely trust that what he says is true. And if the one who has gone through death and emerged on the other side can say to us that the world is a fundamentally good place and joy and peace and hope is possible, if he can say that, then friends, listen, we can say that too. And so I guess it really boils down to two central questions this morning. The first question that we have to ask ourselves is this, is Jesus telling us the truth? Is Jesus telling us the truth about who God is? Is Jesus telling us the truth about how the world is created? And the whole expanse of this series has been an invitation for us to understand that Jesus can be trusted because he is not only the master teacher, but he is the maestro of creation, directing and supervising over all things. Can Jesus be trusted? And the second thing I would say, and maybe the more fundamental question that we have to wrestle with today is this, is Jesus resurrected from the dead? Because if Jesus is who he says he is, and if the stories of our faith are ultimately true, if Jesus conquered death and can say to us with great integrity and honesty that God's world is still good, then listen to me, friends, we have every reason to trust him. If God raised Jesus from the dead, then something new is happening in this world 
and love is now possible and grace is now possible and hope is now possible in a way we could have never imagined before. And so if you want to live without worry, if you want to live in a new and countercultural, different sort of way, you have to ask the question, is Jesus resurrected from the dead? And if he is, my friends, then anything is possible. And you can see the world just like him. And you can experience the goodness of God today, right here and right now. You know, Jesus goes on in the section of the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be like those people who don't know God because they worry about what will we drink, what will we eat, what will we wear. Don't be like that. Jesus says, don't be like those people that pursue wealth and materialism. Don't be like those people who are constantly looking for the affirmation of others. Because if you do that, friends, worry is sure to follow. Anxiety is sure to follow. But instead, Jesus says this incredibly profound statement. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom and then everything else will fall into place. If you align your priorities, as we said last week, with the kingdom of God, then it is possible to live without worry. It is possible to live without anxiety. Don't be like those who pursue these things that ultimately won't give you what you are looking for. As I read this little section from the Sermon on the Mount, I could not help but think about a book that I read recently. It's called The Second Mountain. It's written by a man named David Brooks. David Brooks, an incredible writer for the New York Times. And much of his early writing was politics and sociology. But, but in the past few years, David Brooks has made a turn. And now he's writing more about philosophical things. He's writing, in fact, about morality. And in his book, The Second Mountain, David Brooks talks about how do we become the sort of people that we were designed to be? How do we live with a sense of fullness and dignity and honor and life? And Brooks, in this incredible framing, says that we really are taught to live with two sorts of virtues in this world. On the one hand, Brooks says, we have resume virtues. And resume virtues are those things we pursue that help us in our careers. So education and tenacity, uh, drive, success. We have resume virtues about all the things we've done and all the things we have accomplished and all the money we have made. And he says, those are fine. And ultimately, those virtues are the ones that our culture values more than anything else. But David Brooks says, be careful. Because those things, those virtues, however important they might be, they aren't ultimately what matters. I think he might agree with Jesus. Don't be like those Gentiles pursuing wealth and accumulation and stuff worrying about all of the resume virtues. 
but Brooks goes on and he says there's a second sort of thing we can pursue in this world, a second sort of way, and he calls them the eulogy virtues. And Brooks says those eulogy virtues are those things and those ways we can live in the world that people will tell when the day comes and we die. And he says those virtues are the ones that matter the most. Those are the ones that lead to life. And Brooks says that far too few of us pursue the ways of love and grace Far too few of us follow in the way of compassion and kindness. Far too few of us think generosity is something worth giving our lives to and grace and forgiveness is the way of God. Far too few of us, Brooks says, pursue those virtues that are worthy of our eulogy. And I think Jesus would maybe call those the ways of the kingdom of God. And some of you watching today online and on television really need to stop. And you need to take a deep look within the state of your own heart. Because you do a really good job of pursuing those resume virtues. Being like the Gentiles, Jesus would say. And ultimately, you're watching right now, and your life's a train wreck. And your life is an absolute mess because you don't have the stuff that you thought you would. And maybe if you've got the stuff, you realize it didn't give you the feeling that you dreamed that it would. And some of you don't know what to do. And what I would caution, what I would beg is that you don't continue simply with the accumulation, the way of the Gentiles, the way of the resume virtues. Instead, Jesus says there's a better way. There is a richer way. It's the way of the kingdom of God. It's the way of the eulogy virtues of love and grace and compassion. And ultimately, Jesus says, when we see the world for what it is, when we see it as a fundamentally good place where there is nothing to be afraid of, there is nothing to be frightened of, and instead we can live with goodness and grace and kindness, then friends, that is the path of God. And so I wonder, where are you this morning? Where are you this morning? And some of you need to hear just quite frankly, matter of fact. Maybe you grew up in a church for the whole of your life. Maybe you grew up in a church, but you've walked away from this way of Jesus. And today, I just want you to know that fundamental to his teachings, fundamental to the path of the cross and the way of Jesus in this world is this indelibly beautiful fact that life is a gift. Life is a good gift given to us by a good God. And we can trust that he is with us. And you don't have to live with worry. You don't have to live with anxiety. But today, Jesus invites you to follow a better way. The way of love. The way of grace. The way of the cross. Your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask. And God can be trusted. God can be trusted. And that, my friends, is incredibly good 
news. Let's take a few moments now. Let's pray together. God, we are grateful for another morning, another morning where we can celebrate you and your goodness. And God, as so many of my friends are watching online this morning as it's fall break and people are traveling and they're out doing lots of things, but God, somebody is watching. Maybe many of us are watching and we feel this emptiness inside. And we are so worried and our lives are so filled with anxiety. And God, today, calm our hearts. And for each one who is watching, may there be an overwhelming sense deep down in the depths of our souls that, God, the world is a good place, that you are a good God. And God, you are with us. You are for us. You are ahead of us, leading us into a future that is better than anything we can ask or imagine. God, help us to trust in your way in this world. Help us to see the main thing this morning. God, help us to be people of joy. Lord, this is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.